You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! For those listening and watching, um, most people know about you. They know who you are, but assuming they don't. Could you do the, the sort of elevator pitch on and how you got to here today? Sure. Start um, start at birth and let's go all the way through. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, uh, no. Uh, so my name's Joey Sturgis. I've been a music producer since as long as I can remember, basically since I was like 18. Even yeah. before then, I would produce music like in my bedroom with my friends and just make like random rap songs and stuff like that. Okay. Um, That's like so now. This is in very... case it wasn't proof that we're at NAMM. Uh, <laughs> um, I also, don't even know how to explain what that is. That That's just like a, by. yeah. Let the audience, listening audience, just wonder what that yeah. was. There's, we'll a game, there's a game we like to play called Nam Bingo, and you and it has all the little, <laughs> like, you know, you check off a box when you see one of these things, and so that's definitely one of them. That's Guy so walking much. around, making random noises with somebody like, attached to him. Like, somebody really, dressed as an elf. I'm probably a little hot. I want to bring this down. It's like the, the middle, you know, <laughs> that's the middle square that you yeah. check off. Yeah, Nam Bingo. I like that. That is. We should, yeah. we should play that later. I'm down. <laughs> Okay, but, so yeah, making rap songs, growing yeah. up, yeah. Then uh, that moves into being a drummer in a band, eventually recording my own band for the purpose of trying to get booking shows and things like that. Yeah, DIY, doing yourself. Yeah. Didn't work. Uh, what did work is that people wanted to record with me, so that kept happening. And then, long story short, is I ended up accidentally producing some pretty good records, yeah. really. And, yeah, you did. And those bands got signed. I did more records with them, and that just yeah. snowballed. And then... Uh, you know, a lot of people don't know this about me, but I try to explain it because I didn't want to become a producer on purpose. Like, I, I literally wanted to make video games. Oh, so wow. my background is, like, wow. computer science, like, programming. Like, you know, I would spend hours and hours, like, making video games and stuff in Visual Basic or, like, programming in Java. What like, age was that This happening? is, like, 17. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so, like... The cool thing is that later on, it all ended up coming back together when I, I kind of took a little break from producing albums and I yeah. started a software company to create audio plugins. And it's like perfect marriage of like all the stuff that I JST, was... Joey Sturgis Tones. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So Which has been pretty about... successful from what I can tell. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, this will be our 10th year in October. Congrats. Um, started off selling pod farm presets that moved into uh, mixing presets and then we moved into making our own software and... Now we have like over 30 plugins and we're working on many, many more. And we yeah. have cool collaborations with artists like, you know, Jeff Loomis, you know, Kazaris of Fear Factory, Rex Brown of Pantera. Insane. You know, and so. Bass player? Yeah. Yeah. And it's just so cool to um, basically be involved in the music community in a, in a much bigger way than I felt like I, I was able to tap into earlier on. Yeah. I feel like I looked at myself and I said, okay, I'm making 10 records a year. Is that all I'm ever going to be able to do? 
Yeah. You know, it's right. like I felt like I wasn't being challenged, and you're, yeah. From what I know of you and the people that you're surrounded by, you guys are serial entrepreneurs. Right. Like it, it was inevitable that you did more than produce. Most people would be stoked to have a producing career only, and which like, I nah, did. Not enough. Did for many years. Yeah, and right? you did a good job at and it. And at the end, you know, when I don't want to say at the end because it's not over yet, but <laughs> yeah, I've I've heard I, I heard rumors you were done, and then I came back. No, I was like, you're clearly yeah. not done, right? Yeah, I took a break. Yeah. Um, but at the peak of that, you look back and you go, where is this going to go? Like, am I going to just help? You know, I'm helping five dudes every year make the, their album or whatever, right? right. So right. I kind of looked at it as like, because at the same time, I was already selling drum samples on the side since like 2008. And um, this is like maybe, let's call it 2013, 14 time period. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, like, what can I do to create like a bigger impact on, on the music creation world? Like, how can I help people with my skill set? And that's when I started to get into creating product ideas and developing those products and um yeah and i get inspired by that a little bit more than i do like just working on an album like for example my wife she's in an all-girl rock band called conquer divide she's making demos on the couch she struggles with all the software you know and i i walk by and i see what she's doing and i'm like ah, i think i got a product idea for that you know to, yeah. to make her life easier yeah so that she can now make songs easier and and that's kind of like that's what motivates That's you. That's the passing yeah. of the torch that I, I, I get goosebumps doing that kind yeah. of stuff, you know? Why I do you think, do why that. do you think, what is that, what about that is more inspiring, or not more inspiring, but it seems to be the thing that gets you out of bed today. Yeah. It's because it's such a greater purpose. Like, like I said, like just making the albums is like, only so interesting it's the band it's the fans of the band and which just, is great yeah there's there's impact there it's like here's your 10 songs and yeah here's this and and like you know and that's cool like you obviously can make music that will leave a legacy and will you know be historic and exist forever and, and a lot of people will connect with it emotionally and that that's also interesting but um I find it more interesting to be on the tool side, like, mm -hmm. you know, like, let me create a tool that people can use in like hundreds of ways and they can create music with it. In a and bunch you're of also ways. giving back to the, your community, yeah, which is totally. audio engineers, producers, mixers, people that do what you do anyway. Yeah. That's, that's, that's rad, man. It, that's a rare thing to, it's a rare thing to find that at any point in life, let alone later. And it's also even more rare to be successful at it. I mean, the cool thing about it too, if you think of, think of it from like a pragmatic standpoint is that now i'm on tons of records more yeah, records than i could right. ever touch yeah, oh that's you, right you know? yeah yeah so like it, yeah because every ding dong is gonna buy your plug-in i don't mean it's it's ding dong worthy only i just mean <laughs> per, like legit producers and the sturgis fanboys right. are all buying it right yeah so that's great you're just like planting your seed yes and uh i now i'm a greater part of of music history like because of that and it's not that's just exciting. i mean that's part of i guess that you call that the ego side of things right yeah but, but it's cool because there's um, also a business to this i mean yeah, we can talk about that for that's, sure there's a this is a business and it's it's funny people like to shit on nam but it's it's uh one of the few things i can think of where we all get together and it feels like you work in an industry right you know that's why i love these meetups i love music festivals shit like that is so cool because you're you're together and it's so rare that especially producers and engineers get outside their own yeah. lone wolf dark room for 10 hours a day yeah. mentality. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, 
I almost didn't come this year. I think that's just the uh, the anxiety that comes along with going to Nam. You know, yeah. uh, you you know that. So you've probably done this a few times, I would imagine. For sure, yeah. Um, this is actually, only my third Nam. This is you, only your third Nam. You probably have. We've done a ton. We've done it plus. every way possible. Yeah. We've done the small booth, the big booth, the yeah. You know, here's guests. You know, guest guitar players coming up to the booth. Do you mean JST specifically? Yeah. JST. Do you guys have a booth at all? Not this, this year, year, no. Okay. Um, I hear it's prohibitively expensive. It is. So one, we want to save money. That's one of the reasons why. We also just hired a ton of people, so we're paying for that, which is yeah expensive. Totally. Um, I'd rather have spending the money on on workforce than um, than, than, than presentation, yeah. right? So uh, we can we can present just fine online. So um, yeah, we're just doing a casual show this year just walking around bumping into people whatever comes whatever happens happens and that's cool yeah that's so exciting my my first nam was 2020 january of 2020 wow and do you want to take a guess if i got sicker than i've ever gotten in my life after that year <laughs> let's all raise our hand yeah <laughs> i got like knockout sick oh yeah nam i guess it was nanthrax but i think it was probably covid it was in like early right. covid yeah um, I would. I wouldn't be surprised if Damthrax was the catalyst for COVID. Like, oh uh, yeah, well, <laughs> that year it was like popping off. It was a huge Nam. We were like shaking hands with people from all around the world, right. Asia, Eastern Europe. Yeah, like a bunch of jerk offs come here in one building and just shake hands from all <laughs> around the world. Got to sanitize, man. Sanitize Dude, your hands. Got it in my pocket, homie. <laughs> um. Well, other than that, I mean, what's what's the goal for the weekend? You are are you just running around, just connecting um our biggest goal at the current moment is to collaborate more yeah so uh because we feel like music is such a collaborative industry and we've spent a lot of time building um, products that are just stuff that we came up with and we just kind of put it out there but now i'm like kind of thinking instead of like increasing the essentially the ip of what jst can create on its own i want to see what can we do with others like, yeah. How can we like team up with somebody that has a cool product idea and we're just really passionate about it? And how can we take our engineering team and build that hmm. and then work together to like push it out to the world? And, and to is that more it. of like a brand? You mean like, um, like a brand ambassadorship? Or are you talking about more a creative, someone that has an idea for a product? It's both sides. Yeah. Like we want to associate more with other brands, whereas we've, in the past, we've been a little bit more standoffish. Like, no, we'll create our own YouTube channel. We'll create our own Instagram. It's like, that's cool, but let's actually create content together. Yeah, you know? I got you. And then the second side of it is yeah. let's create and not just content. Let's do products together. Yeah. You know, I want to see, like, I guess for a crappy example, like, let's get, you know, Steven Slate and Waves and they, like, make a plug-in together. Mm -hmm. Like, why aren't we doing that? I think you could do that. Yeah, so that's that's what I want to get into more of, and I see JST uh, growing in that way of being more of a collaborative brand, making collaborative products, and putting out collaborative content, and having um, brand associations combined in that process. Um, you know, there's so many cool music creators now. Um, yeah, there are. Like ten years ago when I started this, it, you kind of had your traditional like musicians, you have your producers. Yep. Now you've got people who like create music on youtube only oh i know and it's like I not know. even on spotify no or, and they don't tour. they're creating music for the content yeah and, and it's content, so cool like, yeah no it's really interesting so we, and then maybe they tour too yeah so, dude, and, and some of those people are are building like massive like you know empires in their own right but it's honestly something that we're trying to broaden the scope of the client base that we have yeah you know we're obviously a producer mixer 
and mastering engineering management company. That's that's the like the focus, right? And it has been historically. But there's no reason that we can't manage a different type of client. I don't know if I'm ready to manage, you know, a full-on rock band. Right. That's like, <laughs> no, no, thank you. But <laughs> but there are there are a lot of crossover clients that that kind of do it all. They maybe they produce a little bit. They they're an artist themselves. They record their own music. Right. They perform. That maybe they're a YouTuber. They're a content creator. It's like the the lines are getting more blurred every day. Some people find that scary. I think it's wildly exciting. I think the barrier to entry is less and less. Yeah. It doesn't it, mean we're getting better product because of it. Right. But, but it, it is easier. The doors are opening more, and that's due to I, a lot of things. But, you know, one being technology and advancement in the tools themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad, for example, uh, comes from a very traditional recording background, knows how to record on a four track or on an oh, analog cool. tape, right? Yeah. So for him, like, getting into the computer and recording is like a daunting like learning experience but even right. he is it's now able to jump in there and start being like oh it's a compressor it's just the knobs are on the screen it's the same yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah do you think having computer literacy like knowing how to navigate a computer growing up because it's what you were doing anyway right do you think that helped oh yeah i bet it did it's like the biggest superpower for our, our generation um, cause I, I like, you know, I think of it this way. It's like you have, have somebody being born like right now. Yeah. iPhones exist for their entire life. Yes. Like I can remember when we had a, a landline oh, on, me too. on the wall, like, and yeah, that, cause you're how old are you, David? I'm 25. I had to think about that for a sec. That's so, embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> iPhones came out when you were, I think it was the iPhone one is 2007. Yeah. So I was, I was nine. So, Eight? I mean, you kind of, I mean, you technically remember pre-iPhone. I remember really. dial-up. Okay. Yeah. So, I dial up. Yeah, but. <laughs> I had a pager in junior high school. That's crazy. <laughs> That's a pager, homie. Time, sure. But, I mean, <laughs> I remember, no <laughs> you know, taking my bike, riding down the street, like, literally, you know, quarter of a mile. Yeah. Knock on your friend's door to see if oh, he's yeah. there. Oh, and yeah. if he's not, <laughs> you go, okay. <laughs> and then you go back. Like, yeah, yeah. So, we're, it's a different time period now. But, totally. But. Having access to computers earlier on in life, um, having access to the internet early on, like, you know, I think I was on the internet when I was, I want to say 13, 14. Was it like started coding HTML and CSS like two years later? Yeah. So you were like really early in. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I can even remember um, before that I had one of those, the, I forget what it's called. It's it's the Mac where the, it's the first Mac with a mouse. Yes. Whatever that one is. Uh, so the one, not the like fun colored ones. No. Pr- even before that. Before that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like literally like yeah. black and white screen. Oh, okay. And, yeah. Dot matrix screen. And... So, okay. I have something to admit. So I, I'm the opposite. I was like just computer dumb dumb uh-huh. as a kid. I skateboarded and I hit things with wooden sticks. Right. I was a drummer kid. Right. Yeah. And I, in fact, when I first started drumming, I would like take my parents' Tupperware, turn over, take, you know, cooking spoons, flip those up and beat on them. Yeah. And like, I was just like that kid yeah. skateboarding and, <laughs> and that went all the way through junior high. Okay. So I grew up with Chris Crummett. Uh-huh. Like we were like childhood friends, like okay, slumber wow. party kind of friend, you know, like yeah. go back. And I went to his house and his dad was like a, a amateur producer himself. So he had a, a studio and a computer. And the computer was just staying still. It was the desktop. And I asked him if that was the internet. 
I go, hey, Chris, is that the internet? And I just pointed to his computer. He'll never let me. Oh, that's good. He's like, what did you say? <laughs> it's inside there? Yeah, it's inside the computer. Yeah, I like the, uh, the Tim and Eric skit where they, they have the internet on a disc. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's like eight discs. Like, yeah, like the internet. It's it's the internet. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. That's how it felt back then, man. And they're was... like, okay, well, we want to look up flowers. They're like, okay, that's disc six. <laughs> Insert that. What in. was the the encyclopedia? What was that called? The Brit- Britannica. Yeah, yeah, Britannica something. I don't know. It was basically that. It yeah. was like seven hundred discs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was instead of encyclopedias. That's, that was a good one, but yeah, but yeah, you know. Um, my mom, she worked at this, um, place called Stance. They manufacture, uh, gas caps and she was a secretary there. She saved up her paycheck for a whole year, parts of her paycheck so that she could buy me my first computer. That's so um, cool. It was a $600 compact computer that we got AOL and then got on the internet and then it just so snowballed slow. from there. Yeah. So slow yeah. back then. But so I was recording on that computer. Really? I was writing wow. games like, yeah. What was the first DAW you used then? Um, Would that be Pro? Acid Pro. Okay. Yeah, Sony Acid Pro. Um, Hell well, yeah, dude. Is Acid <laughs> Pro still around, brother? I, I think it is. Um, <laughs> Any I, Acid Pro fans out there? <laughs> I think they changed the name of it, but uh, yeah. <laughs> God, I would love to meet, you know, they're like, I'm more of a Logic guy. You're like, oh, I'm a Pro Tools guy. Sony Acid Pro. <laughs> Sony Acid Pro. Like, yeah. what now? <laughs> And they had the, like, the EQ would come up, and it would be made on the default Windows interface. So, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, dude. So, like, you had your sliders, <laughs> yes. like, like, like they would be in it. But it's Windows. In, like, like Excel or something. Yeah, Like, right. the same sliders, you know? And you're, <laughs> like, yeah, EQing man. the shit with that. So, yeah, that was a good learning experience. And I, I just learned awesome. trial and error, man. Like, so, what about now? Where are, you, where are you based now? So, I live in Michigan now. Um, okay. You know, about... Let's see. Twelve years ago or so, I uh, I met a girl online, and we got we started dating. Then we got engaged and got married. Right. Yeah. So she's from Michigan, and um, you know, up to that point, I had lived in Connorsville, Indiana, my whole life. Yeah. For twenty seven years or whatever, and uh, I just saw a whole new life. Yeah. Through her. Totally. And realized that like it's worth it, man. There's a lot of cool stuff outside of where my small little town like yeah, I, I want to go see the world yeah, right? man. so and before that I was not engaged in any kind of like adventure um mentality like I did not want to travel the world I did not want to see Europe like yeah but then when I met her like it flip-flopped completely like I was like oh I want to go everywhere right like and I want to live in a different place you know for like we've lived in Santa Monica for like a couple months once um she she's a traveling Just testing nurse. it out yeah. So she can work wherever. Like we can take contracts in Hawaii and like live there while she's doing that. That's and then, rad. You know, so it's we get to like experience a lot of the world, and um, so that's why I moved to Michigan because when I met her, like she was showing me the state. She took me on a road trip, and I saw like the western coast, the northern area, the Upper Peninsula. Yep. And I saw the water and everything, and I was just like, "Wow, this this is awesome." So I moved there, um, and I've never left. Like, and I don't think I ever will. I, yeah, like, it works for you, Michigan. <laughs> And so you're you're back to making some records these days. A little bit, yes. Yeah. Um, you know, when it's right, and... when it's right, it, that's the key. Yeah. Is it's got to be something I'm interested in. It's got to be something that I want to do, and that they also want me to do it. Because I don't like these scenarios where I'm just another record on the roster. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I want it to be like, no, we need to go to Joey. 
He's you know, the guy. He's the guy for this record. Like, this is what we want to make, and we want to do it with him. And I'm like, all right, cool. And I, I also won't take a record until I feel like the, there's some strong songs there. Yeah. You know, which... You got to hear it. It really kind of plagued my career earlier on is when I would let bands come in and essentially show up with, like, half a record. And I would have to, like, help them create the other half. Yeah. And a lot of that could... Got chaotic and, and created some pretty stressful yes things and, and sometimes even had like now. even sometimes those albums don't come out great because you're rushing yeah you know right and we got six weeks in the studio with joey and yeah then you, yeah no, that's... so i prefer to do an album where i know the songs are strong and i can and i know that i can make them better and i know that the artist wants me to do my thing yeah and so when those all those stars aligned then i'm in you know totally <laughs> so nowadays when you're doing a record is it Produce, mix, master, whole nine. You're the guy for everything, or are you more like reaching down into? Um, one of those I have things. a team that helps me. Uh, you know, me doing a record start to finish, every single part of it um, has been a very rare thing in the last like you know five seven years because they just it just got such a burden. Like it, it's it's uh it's taxing. It's a lot of stuff to do, you know, especially in thirty days. Or, so you're mostly oh, yeah. producing? So guess. I'm mostly producing. I'm mostly in the room with the creative decisions or coaching the performance. Yep. Um or just basically being like, you know, this is the direction we need to go with this song. Here's how we're gonna do it. Do you work with audio engineers for that? Or yeah. You're, okay. So like my team right now is pretty small. We just have um a guy named Nick Matzkos is the engineer. I have a guy named John Eberhard. Um, he's also a producer uh, and does his own stuff too. But when he works on records that I do, he's kind of co-producing a little bit in the sense that it's like passive. Like, yeah. you know, he's adding stuff to the song, like synths and like sound effects. Yeah. And like, we're, we Texture. basically end up with like, think of it as like a buffet. You yeah. know, here's all the stuff that you could have. And then I'm going in and saying like, well, let's grab this and this and let's put these two things together. And that's how this is going to work. But and, and sometimes we're eliminating things that he added that we don't need or we're adding things on top of it or whatever. It's kind of how that works. And then we have a vocal editor. And then oh, nice. uh, I think that's all we really And then you have. send out to mixing someone else? No, we mix it too. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We're using our mixing process that we've been developing for like eight years now me and Nick together and I've talked about it on Nail the Mix and it's this like crazy template that we built that like kind of automatically mixes the song a little bit and then we go in and just do the flavor. Yeah. So like all the balance is taken care of like nice. We've got like track spacer cutting out, you know, different frequency ranges for different parts of the mix so that it all like like it's it's kind of funny when you use the template because there's sometimes I get frustrated while I'm like trying to make something loud and the template is literally designed to like make everything work together. So like when you try to push a synth really loud, it like won't let it happen. It'll just like somehow it like cuts through. But it's a template. It's not like right. you create your own software. So you have your... to like go in there. Yeah, it's not software. It's yeah. just a template. But you have to go in there and like really like be like, no, I want the synth to be loud. Like, and you have to like you know do a lot of manual automation stuff to like make it happen. But it's right. it's cool because it's almost like. Um, well, the way that we have it set up is that you don't have to worry about what to what you can and can't put in a song. You're not making those sacrifices. Yeah, in the creative. Part that makes sense. It. Yeah. So the creative part is completely open. Like you can just do whatever you want. It's not going to ever clip, and it's not going to ever get too bogged down because the more stuff you add, just kind of pushes it down and makes it all glue together. Um, but what, yeah, what so. is your thought? So what this actually leads me to 
a question. What is your thought on, let me back up. So one of the guys I work with, Jay Moss, he created a, a mastering right. AI. Yeah. And it's been sort of successful for him. He's, he's here promoting it. And from what I can tell, some people really love it and believe in it. And some people don't. Right. Some people are like, that's anti music. That's, you know, yeah. a physical human being should be the one mastering. And right. it's the end of music as we know it if we're letting AI do everything. What is your thought on automation in music? It's clearly what's happening. So what's the role of a human producer? Where yeah, do you think that's going? I mean, it's such a loaded question in a way, but it's. I have some like basic principles that I can explain that I feel yeah. like will make make it make sense. So I think someone like you would have good insight on this because you create software, right? You're, you know, you're you're part of the problem and part of the solution. <laughs> yes, you know, and you're a physical human being producer yourself, right? So my first like um, moral is never trust machines. So. What that means is like, you know, there's all these products that are things like, you know, auto align where, yeah. you know, you record two vocals and then the, somehow it makes the second vocal like align to the first one. But you still need a good human being vocalist to do it, right? Right. But right. you also need to pay attention and know because those auto line things are not perfect no. and they will make mistakes. And if you're not there to uh, catch it, then you're, you're trusting the machine too much. Right. So you still need the human part. Yeah. In that, even in that example. The second thing I'll say is that like, we don't auto, it's not like we have this auto mix thing because we don't want to mix or because like, it's more of a way for us to focus on the areas that we want to focus on. Like I want to focus on the creativity of the song, not, yeah. not is the fucking ratio set correct on the kick drum or whatever. Like that it doesn't excite me and it doesn't mean anything to the listener and it doesn't mean anything to the artist. And it, you know, so like at all, right? So no. the, the the thing is all like the automation is to be used to get you to a place of creativity. That's okay. how I see it being effective, being a powerful tool. I don't think that we should get rid of humans and mastering and mixing and, and, and any of that. I mean, that's and also your automation, the template specific, your, you know, specifically the template you guys are doing. It's created by you. Right. It's not like yeah. you just bought it off a shelf. No, yeah. I'll take one of those, please. We, like, it's been, your brain. It's your soul. We've been soul. tweaking it for yeah. years and years, too. So it's it's actually all of my soul. Like, like yeah, you know that's I mean? right. It's like every idea that I've ever had about how to mix something. A, a new, is a going today into that. starting producer, a new brand new producer couldn't do that. Right. You need that arc of time of being a human. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like to come up with a, the template. Now, yeah. I do think that, you know, Jay's tool, for example, has a place in the world because when you're mastering stuff, it's you could you could look at it as like, okay, well, I want to master my music for just for the purpose of like mastering it so only humans can do it. But it's like, what if you wanted to hear your song mastered like 16 different styles yeah. and you don't want to have to make 16 different humans like do that work? Yeah. And then you can explore also like... A budget conversation right like not everyone can pay sterling to you know to do a bunch of revisions on that like to your point or maybe you're in a situation where you're like well what would this sound like master i just want to check real quick before we like move on to the next part of the song yeah. or whatever yeah. right so there's there's different applications for that that kind of uh automation and also not all music or even mastering um things have to do with music like you could be mastering like a podcast 
you can be oh, of mastering yeah, right. like other pieces of uh, media. So and I think that's their plan. Or, yeah, take the, yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think it has a place there too. So you know, how, how do you? Because Jay is using Monster, and I, I kind of like this as his manager. He he doesn't release files obviously until we're paid, and he'll put it up on Monster as like a it's here, but once payments released, then you can. You can so they download can stream it. it, but they can't download it. Yeah. How, how are you doing file sharing with your clients? Sure. Well, <laughs> we, we're way less technical than that. Um, we send MP3s, and then when they pay, we give them waves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, know, I think most people are doing <laughs> that. broke. I mean, <laughs> it's, I like Monsters because it has a watermark. It's kind of nice. like, yeah, it even says Monster on the yeah, file. Like, yeah, yeah. But, well, cool, dude. Thanks for your time. We just want to do some. What do we call them? Nam namisodes. Mini mini yeah. namisodes. Yeah. Namisodes. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. But, uh, you know what's but funny about Nam? I don't want to be offensive to Vietnam vets, but you know how they call it Nam? Yeah. There's something Nam about Nam. Yeah, You're like, I'm going to Nam today. I survived Nam. I survived Nam. <laughs> That's how strong we are in twenty twenty three. Fucking uh, nerds. <laughs> Well, you're gonna say something? Yeah, before we let you go, um, anything you want to plug? Anything you want to point the listeners towards? Or... I mean, just check out my software company, Joy Sturgis Tones. I mean, we we make stuff for music creators of all kinds. I mean, if you're a podcaster, if you are a TikToker, you're in a band, or you're a producer. I mean, we we make stuff for all those people. Hell yeah! And that's why I, I am spreading the gospel. You know, and if you're a rock and roll band that wants to work with Joey, it's got to be the right fit. Don't even, yeah. don't fuck around. <laughs> you can get a hold of them. It's got to be the right fit. I mean, rightfully so. I don't want to waste hey, anybody's time. No. No, you've earned that right too, Joey. Thanks, man. Cool. Thanks this for having super me. Super fun. Yeah. Sweet. All right. So, yeah. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday.